This morning's reading is Revelation chapter 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that arose in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash round his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands, is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning and welcome again to my office. My name is Oli Benyon, I'm one of the associate vicars here. And uh, we have come to the end of our mini-series on meeting the risen Lord. And over the last few weeks we've looked at Mary, who is the first witness of this risen Jesus. Uh, last week uh, Stuart looked at Saul, who's an incredible change of direction. And now we're looking at John's vision of the all-powerful Jesus in Revelation 1. Now, for many years, I actually avoided reading this book because, you know, to be honest, it seemed a little bit odd. 
You know, I couldn't get my head around a lot of the dramatic imagery of, of seals broken, trumpets blown, bowls being emptied onto the earth, you know, strange beasts appearing from the sea and the land. Another with a, a voice of a dragon and the horns of a, of a lamb. There are angels, demons, lambs, lions and horses together with plenty of you know, blood, fire, hail and thunder and lightning. Uh, you know, it's all in this book. Maybe put your hand up if you've, I can't see you, but uh, uh, if you, if you, you know, like me, been a little bit intimidated by this book, I'm going to take in faith there are probably a few hands up. But over the years, I've learned that this book has so much to teach us, has so much to teach the church, that um, it would be foolish for us to completely avoid it. Um, theologian Michael Wilcox says this, Revelation is no mere appendix to the collection of letters that make up the bulk of the New Testament. It is, in fact, the last and grandest of those letters. As comprehensive as Romans, as lofty as Ephesians, as practical as James and Philemon, this letter to the Asians is as relevant to our modern world as any of them. So we're going to focus on the first chapter of this book. Uh, but if you've not read it recently, I just encourage you to do so because it comes with a promise. Um, in my house, there's a, a bunch of books by David Wallins. My girls love reading them. And each book on the front of the cover, I have a few of them here, they come with a promise um, or, or a gift. Uh, this one says free woolly mammoth inside. This one is a free uh, mini Cooper inside and some with kind of free custards and uh, custard creams. And every time the girls get it, they get excited and they turn open it up and only to find at the back, there's just a cutout of a woolly, woolly mammoth or a cutout of a custard cream or a mini Cooper. You know, then they often are pretty disappointed by the fact there's only a cutout. Well, the book of Revelation you know, has this same incredible offer of a gift on the front cover. And it's not a disappointing cutout of a, of a you know, ten-eyed monster, but instead it is a promise that you will be blessed. Uh, in verse 3, it says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. And when the Bible talks about being blessed, it, talks, it, talk, it means about, about the joy and happiness that comes from knowing and receiving, uh, 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 happiness that comes from being followers of Jesus. And when they read the words and commands uh, and follow them, and throughout their lives. So if you are searching for joy and happiness at the moment, and who isn't searching for that, uh, then look no further than this book. John, who, who is the author of this book, is writing a letter to a group of first century Christians in Asia. And like many of those uh, letters written in the New Testament, John pens these pages from a place of hardship. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are uh, uh, that, uh, that ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, the island of Patmos, it sounds like a place that many of us would like to be at the moment. Maybe you booked a, a holiday in the summer and you're hoping that you'll be able to go there uh, in the future. But this was no paradise island. Um, 
As the Roman author Gaius Pliny said in AD 62, he says that during his lifetime, the island became place for prisoners. So rather like Alcatraz in San Francisco, this was the rock of the day. And the letter tells us that on the Lord's day, also on a Sunday, cut off from fellowship with the, uh, with the church, and we, we can relate with that a little bit, can't we? we we're not able to be together. Uh, and by the, by the sea that separated Patmos from the mainland, John, he would have been aware of the loneliness that comes from being isolated on his own. Um, he suddenly was lifted above kind of space and time. And at first there was no vision, just a voice that came from heaven so, so loud and clear that he didn't have to strain to hear what it was trying to say. And it was like a trumpet, it says in verse 10. And many years earlier, in Pentecost, if you remember, there had been a sound of a blowing and violent wind that, 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 that uh, re- uh, kind of met with God's people in Acts 2. And earlier, Ezekiel, another man who was in prison for his faith, um, crawled out of a concentration camp and, and in the, um, by the river of Kebar into a desert where he heard the voice of the Lord's. And he said, he said, the Spirit of God lifted me up and I heard behind me a loud and rushing sound. The voice that came to John was not only loud, but it was specific. And I like specific. I like instructions. I'm very good most of the time of receiving instructions from my wife. Right? And he says, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, um, Thyatira, um, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now seven is a, is a sacred number in Hebrew and a quick look through this book of Revelation that you, you see seven comes up, you know, a, a whole lot. And not only are there seven churches, there were seven stars, seven lampstands, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven angels with seven plagues and seven bowls of wrath, even a woman with seven heads. I know it's all in here. So you get the idea. Generally speaking, seven stands for completeness. For, for, for perfection. So why, why is this important? Well, because not only are there seven historical churches that John has been commissioned to go and take a letter to, we can also be confident in saying that the seven churches represent all the churches and the congregations that had ever been, including us at HT. So what did, what did John see uh, in this chapter? What did he see of Jesus? What well, he saw uh, this incredible picture and if, of, of this risen Lord Jesus. And, and if, we, if we closed our eyes right now and we pictured in our mind what, what Jesus is like, then I, I don't know what comes to your mind, but I'm sure many of us imagine maybe an image in one of the gospel stories. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a picture that we can understand. But that isn't the picture that we get here. You know, when you go to the theatre, you remember those days when you get to the theatre and, you, and you're sitting in the darkness waiting for the show to begin, maybe chatting to your friend, eating, eating your overpriced M&Ms, and then suddenly the light goes down and the curtains raise up and the light floods the stage and then you're transported into another world for the next couple hours. Well, imagine that now we are sitting in the theatre and the curtains suddenly go up and we are suddenly transported to, to heaven, to seeing a glimpse of this risen Lord Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. 
Now, what would that be like? Well, this is a bit of that answer. It's a picture here. It is a Jesus who is mind-blowing. He's dramatically powerful, but also gentle and caring. A Jesus in whom we see his Father, God the Creator. A Jesus who has spoken and continues to speak to his children about what is going on in the present and warns what will happen in the future. It's a picture so dramatic that I have a feeling that if you saw it, you wouldn't need to go out and get your daily hour of exercise each day. Your heart rate would be high enough. Uh, John found himself falling to the ground as though dead in verse 17. Now, some of us like dramatic images like this. It adds the wonder and uh, uh, wonder of it all. For others, it just it maybe just doesn't make sense. It's difficult. It's a bigger leap to make. But what we are all invited to, to try and grasp hold of is the awe and the majesty that of the risen Lord Jesus that is depicted in these verses. And I'm just going to pick out a few of them just so we can um, uh, just get some of that in our, in our heads. Firstly, his royal robes. Now, Jesus is no longer clothed as the, the carpenter's son. No longer does he appear, as it's described in Isaiah 53, as having no beauty or majesty for us to be attracted by him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. No, now Jesus is presented as one who has authority, as one who has incredible majesty. The prophet Isaiah again describes seeing the Lord Jesus sitting on a throne, lifted high up, and his train filled the temple in Isaiah 61. Now this is a picture of the majesty similar to what John saw. Uh, it, it, the second one, his hair was white like wool, as white as snow. Now we can all, we may be able to guess this one, you know, white hair represents great wisdom. Proverbs 16.31 says, Grey hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. I could probably think of a few other ways you get grey hair, but what we're trying to get in this picture is that um, we can have... We, you know, that Jesus is the, is the source of all wisdom. You know, we can have access to this heavenly wisdom as well through, through the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual gift that we can ask and freely receive. And I don't know, why don't we even just do that right now? Wherever we are, we can ask, Lord, you are the source of wisdom. Let me receive this incredible gift of wisdom today. You know, we need wisdom today. Knowing how to navigate these choppy waters, this difficult time. Give us your godly wisdom today. Amen. And just receive that. Receive his wisdom. His eyes were like flames of fire. That's this third image. A picture of how Jesus' gaze can penetrate even the darkest corners of our lives. There is no place we can hide our sin and shame. For he sees and he knows all. To know, to those who don't know Jesus, this image may be terrifying. But for those of us who know and love him, it comes as great comfort to us knowing that that. That despite all our mistakes, all our sin, all our shame, Jesus still loves us. He still loves and accepts us. The fourth thing, his voice was like a sound of rushing waters. I don't know if you've ever been in front of it, like a 
massive waterfall. I remember going to see Victoria Falls and just being blown away by the, the power that came from these water. Well, in Psalm 29, it says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. John is revealing to us that Jesus, he comes with power. We heard last week uh, of how this powerful voice spoke to Saul and uh, it transformed his life uh, from that moment. You know, there is nothing that the power of Jesus cannot overcome. And we need to hold on to that during this time. When we're praying, we're seeking God for him to move in this world at this time. We need to know that there is nothing that the power of Jesus cannot overcome. Let's, let's pray into that and believe that to be true. Fifthly, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And I love this, this image. Um, you know, this is the same light that knocks Saul literally off his horse. And uh, for Saul to say to the, to the Lord, you know, Lord, who are you? It is the same light that Peter and John saw on the mountain transfiguration when they described Jesus as his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light in Matthew 17. I remember when Moses, he came down from Mount Sinai and uh, after being in the presence of the Lord and his face was radiant that he had to put a veil on him. I remember as a young man hearing Louis Giglio speaking about how we're to shine our light to others. And he used an illustration of the, the, the sun and the moon that has really stuck with me over the years. And this is what he said. There's a lot of talk about moonlight and how it lights up the night. But actually, there is no such thing as moonlight. The moon doesn't really shine at all. Rather, when it's in just the right place, the moon reflects the sun's light. People are a lot like the moon. Just as the sunlight reflects into darkness, when the moon is in just the right place, God's light also reflects into this world, this world's sin-filled darkness, when you are in the right place. Being in the right place means following Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you reflect his light, his love, his goodness, grace, kindness and power into the lives of those around you. You shine simply by staying close to him, the light of the world. Now it's not surprising that those who stay close to Jesus, who, who carve out quality time to be in his presence, you know, they look different. They reflect the face of Jesus, just like the moon reflects the sunlight onto, onto us. Are you in the right place to reflect the light of Christ at the moment? Now, what I most like about this image is not that it's down to our, you know, our effort, but actually it's about just being in the right place, being available to reflect what God has in the world today. Now, all these images have just, just give us a glimpse of the majesty and the glory of the risen Lord Jesus. You know, that he has authority, that he has wisdom, he is all-seeing. He will not be moved. His voice is powerful. His word is true. He brings light in darkness. This is the Jesus that we worship today. It is the Jesus that reached out to us and welcomed us to, to know him and call him friend. And in the second part of uh, verse 5, 
and going into six, we read this. This is what Jesus uh, is, is speaking to us, what, what, he, what, he is, what he's, uh, he's, he's given us. And it says this, to him who loves us and freed us from our sin by his blood and made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. You know, this all-powerful, majestic Jesus tells us that we are loved. We are forgiven and we have access to the Father. Just want to focus on those three things very briefly. You know, two weeks ago, Yana spoke about this love, didn't she? When she talked about the risen Lord Jesus meeting Mary in the garden, she was weeping outside the tomb and Jesus met her and he said, what? He said, Mary, Mary. You know, this all-powerful Jesus, he knows your name and he loves you so incredibly much. And I think in this time of isolation, we need to hear these words of these simple but powerful words that, that he loves you. He loves you and he loves you. Last week, week we heard of um, Saul, the persecutor of Christians, becoming a, a disciple when he encountered Jesus. You know, this, this all-powerful Jesus, he can forgive our sins and make us new. So why don't you receive uh, this forgiveness today if you haven't done so before? It's just say, yes, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. I'm going to follow you from now on. And this week we've been shown a picture of the all-powerful Jesus. And the image I want to end with is, is this morning is that Jesus has made a way for us to be a kingdom and priests to serve the Lord. Now we are a kingdom because Christ now lives in us. And we are priests because now we too have access to come to the Father through Jesus. And 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have, have received mercy. Before uh, Lois and I moved to Cambridge, we used to have lodges. And um, we had them for over a few years and they got a contract and we, we set out a few rules. And though they lived in our house, you know, they didn't have the same rights of access to us. Um, you know, it would be inappropriate, for example, for them to walk into our bedroom in the middle of the night. My kids, however, have no boundaries of access to us. It doesn't matter what time of night it is. They could come into our room if it's to wipe their nose or to, to take them to the toilet or clear up vomit. Now, and our understanding of access to God can be a little bit like that lodger. That we might know God, but there are barriers that stop us from being, having access to him. However, Jesus says that we're to be like little children. That we are able to come to him as priests. We have full access to come to him. And do you have confidence this morning that you, have, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, and that you have access to the Father through Jesus. You know, have you met Jesus? Like John on the island of Patmos, we can, we can meet the risen Lord Jesus today. You know, it doesn't have to involve a dramatic revelation of this kind of vision, but through the Holy Spirit, we can all meet and be transformed by Jesus today. I remember times of being filled with God's Spirit in a room of a hundred people or, or even in my car while driving, a bit reckless, while also just being in my home. So, you know, 
John was on his own in prison when uh, he encountered the Lord Jesus. So if possible, at some point today, uh, take some time. Find a little, carve out some time and ask God, you know, I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want to get a glimpse of of who you are, your your majesty this, this morning. Now that's what John was doing when and he was praying in the spirit. He was seeking God and then suddenly he got this incredible revelation. So let me end by just praying over you that you will uh, get a glimpse of this risen Lord Jesus. That it would, it would transform your life. I've had many glimpses over my life and it is such an important thing for us to do. To suddenly have a horizon stretched out bigger of who God is. So let me just pray for us as we close. Lord, we thank you that you are all powerful. And Lord, we thank you that you love us, you have forgiven us, and you give us access to come to you and call you Father. Lord, we thank you that your word tells us that you are the Alpha and the Omega. The one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And so Lord, we we thank you for this incredible vision of you that John received. We thank you that um, horizons now of who you are uh, can be just broadened. And Lord, help us uh, this day to, 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 to re- that you would reveal yourself to us through your Holy Spirit. That you would just give us an incredible confidence to be able to come to you and to know that you are a God that is all powerful. In your name. Amen.